From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, we count it a privilege to welcome you to another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today, we'll hear another message in the life and earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, a series preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6. God that comforteth those that are cast down. And who comforteth like him? Go to some poor, melancholy, distressed child of God. Tell him sweet promises, and whisper in his ear choice words of comfort. He is like the deaf adder. He listens not to the voice of the charmer, charm he never so wisely. He is drinking gall and wormwood. And comfort him as you may, it will be only a note or two of mournful resignation that you will get from him. You will bring forth no psalms of praise, no hallelujahs, no joyful sonnets. But let God come to his child. Let him lift up his countenance, and the mourner's eyes glisten with hope. Do you not hear him sing, "'Tis paradise if thou art here, if thou depart, tis hell." You could not have cheered him. But the Lord has done it. He is the God of all comfort. There is no balm in Gilead, but there is balm in God. There is no physician among the creatures, but the Creator is Jehovah Rophi. It is marvelous how one sweet word of God will make whole songs for Christians. One word of God is like a piece of gold, and the Christian is the gold-beater and can hammer that promise out for whole weeks. So then, poor Christian... Thou needest not to sit down in despair. Go to the Comforter, and ask him to give thee consolation. Thou art a poor, dry well. You have heard it said that when a pump is dry, you must pour water down it first of all, and then you will get water. And so, Christian, when thou art dry, go to God. Ask him to shed abroad his joy in thy heart, and then thy joy shall be full. Do not go to earthly acquaintances, for you will find them Job's comforters after all. But go first and foremost to thy God that comforteth those that are cast down, and you will soon say, In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul.
One of the hallmarks of Protestant Christianity is its tradition of singing. Just as the worship in the Old Testament was characterized by song, so the people of God down through the ages have been a singing people. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to offer a CD entitled Our Great Redeemer's Praise that contains nearly an hour of the great hymns of the church performed by the various musical groups of Bob Jones University in Greenville, South Carolina. The CD is available free of charge to our Let the Bible Speak listeners. To obtain a copy, you may contact us by email, by telephone, or by regular mail. You may write to Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or you may simply call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. Ask for your free copy of Our Great Redeemer's Praise.
This week on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns is bringing a message called The Christ of the Second Touch. The setting is the account of Jesus healing a blind man, as recorded in Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. Although Christ's miracles were usually instantaneous, this one was performed in two stages and is unique among our Lord's recorded miracles. At first, the blind man saw men as trees walking, It was only after Christ's second touch that he saw clearly. The spiritual lessons from this event are many. Sometimes Christ's own disciples fail to have the spiritual understanding they should have, and so need that second touch from the Lord Jesus. Often Christians have a defective view of Christ, and they need his second touch to see him as they should. Now Dr. Cairns continues this message, The Christ of the Second Touch. If you consider carefully the four recorded cases of blind men receiving sight, you'll see the sovereignty of Christ clearly in operation. In all the cases except one, the blind people either came to Christ or were brought to him. In the case of the man born blind, John chapter 8, John chapter 9, should I say, the great physician came to him. It prompted one famous Bible commentary to remark that so some seek and find Christ. Of others, he is found. He is completely sovereign in how he deals with souls. And when you look at this case where Christ dealt differently you'll see that that sovereignty is perfectly wise. You have to wonder, what does it mean he gave him sight, but he couldn't really see? It is possible that with the first touch, he restored the eyes, that with the second, he imparted the faculty of using them. I don't know that it's a possibility, but I do know that that's what he does in salvation. Those are the two aspects. He gives the power of sight the power to respond to spiritual truth. We may call that the gift of saving faith. And then he progressively enables us to use that power, that faculty, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. See, he doesn't always lead new converts all at once into all that he intends to give them. That that is a fallacy that uh, some have fallen into. I remember a young fellow who had been saved all of a couple or three weeks, and he got into a particular uh, group of people 
who began to brainwash him pretty good, and uh, they taught him that it was not right for a Christian to pray for the Holy Ghost. It was not right for a Christian to pray for the fullness of the Holy Ghost or the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. You get everything the moment you're saved. And of course, knowing all of two or three Bible references that had nothing to do with the subject in hand, but with all the authority of second-hand information given by others who knew very little to start with, he was absolutely certain that he didn't need to ask for anything else from Christ. But it is not the experience of God's people that the Lord Jesus gives them all that he intends to give them right at the beginning. He gives them the faculty of receiving and responding, but he actually enables them to employ that in an increasingly perfect way. For example, you go back to the early church. When people got saved, day of Pentecost and thereafter, we'll give a good example. Are you not amazed at how quickly, even how immediately, people who were just converted were filled with the Spirit, filled with knowledge. They had the gift of the Holy Ghost and all His power. They were immediately in the front line of the battle and capable of doing mighty things for God. But when you look throughout church history, that has almost never been the case. Certainly in any, in the case of great numbers of people, that has never been the case ever since. When Peter was writing to new converts, and this is always to me a shocking thing, when Peter was writing to new converts, most of whom by today's standards would be very, very undereducated, he was able to address subjects in detail that you could hardly expect people in an MDiv program in a seminary today to be able to grapple with. I think of that. Few people experience the immediate fullness of those early Christians. I'm not saying they can't. But I've got to deal with what is. The truth is that we are newborn babes in Christ when we're saved, and we must progressively enter into the fullness of Christ. But one thing is certain. A, a babe is not a man. The babe is not mature, but it does have life. It has been born. What I'm saying here is, you'll see in the case of this man born blind, he did receive sight. There is a radical difference between the result of the first touch of Christ and the state he was in before that touch. There was a radical change. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Salvation is a real, radical change from, from sinner to saint, from death to life, from darkness to light, from blindness to sight. He makes a radical and real change in everyone he saves. 
Second thing I want you to notice is not only his sovereignty in how he does this, but the fact that he completes what he has begun. He touched the man, but he didn't leave him with imperfect sight. He continued and he touched him again. Paul told the Philippians, He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1 verse 6. Paul took this up in that famous passage in Romans chapter 8, where he speaks of God's ultimate purpose. Whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. And then he goes down this great list of things to say that there's nothing in heaven, earth, or hell will be ever able to separate the people of God from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. He is working for his ultimate purpose to bring them to everlasting light, life, and glory. And he's going to do it. He is going to complete what he has begun. Now let's understand this and the comfort it brings to the people of God. The old devil is real. And he will employ any method that he can to inject doubt and fear into the heart of a humble believer in Jesus Christ. He will give you the feeling, well, perhaps I will not make it safely to heaven. Perhaps when I come to face death, uh, I will feel, and I will fall, and I will falter, uh, and I'll not make it. It's a wee bit like the disciples uh, that uh, you read of in Luke chapter 8. Jesus said, arise and let us go to the other side. Get into the boat, and we're going to the other side. And in the midst of the journey, a great storm arose, and they thought that they were sinking, and they appealed to the Master in desperation. Jesus asked them a question, where's your faith? Where's your faith? What he meant was this, I said, we are going to the other side. And not all the storms of life Not all the opposition of the devil, not all the hatred of hell, not all the weakness of your own flesh can ever stop us getting to the other side. There is no failure in the ultimate purpose of God. Understand this. He completes what he has begun. But not only in the ultimate sense, because this is what I really want to spend two or three minutes on today before we get to the end. This is the real point. Even here in life, amidst all our failures, for which he may justly upbraid us, the Lord Jesus always has the second touch for those who need it. I want you to understand that. This is just another way of saying what Isaiah said and what the Lord Jesus himself professed. The bruised reed, he will not break. The smoking flax, he will not quench. We are so very quick to give people up. We are so very quick to be so full of pharisaical, hypocritical judgment in giving people up because 
They don't see right. They don't hear right. They don't act right. They feel. But I want you to see this. The Lord Jesus is the Christ of the second touch. He does not intend us to live with defective vision. He doesn't intend us to live with a defective experience of grace. He has further grace to bring us to the full experience and joy of himself. There's something tragic when you stop to get this picture in your mind. This man had received the touch of Christ. Christ was standing right in front of him. And his vision wasn't clear, so that the very first thing, he couldn't see Christ aright. He was one of those that he saw as a tree walking. Couldn't see Christ right. Oh, he knew him. He conversed with him. But he couldn't perceive him. I see there's something highly tragic about that. And yet it's very, very usual. Sadly, it's usual. You only got to look at your own experience. You had the touch of Christ. He's come and saved you. You've prayed. You've talked with him. You knew him. You could answer questions about him. You could maybe quote verses of the Bible that say great things about him. But when it comes to spiritual perception, really perceiving him, what he is, his person, his offices, his, his work, the implications of that work for you, your position in him, the riches of his grace, really perceiving him, you're just in the very same place as this poor man who had the first touch but couldn't see. Oh, we need to see Christ, all right? Seeing him right will help us with our assurance. We, need, we then obviously need to be see, able to see men aright in their true light, not as trees walking. I don't want to push this too far, but, you know, I think there's a lot of spiritual truth in this, that the way many Christians look out on their fellow men, they look on them and they see them as no different from trees. The only difference is they see them moving as far as the value they put upon their souls uh, as evidenced by the vigor and the effort that they put into reaching those souls or praying for those souls or being interested in those souls. As far as a value in their souls is concerned, we tend to treat men as if they were only trees, uh, as dead, as useless as eternally insignificant. We need to see men through the eyes of the Lord. That will certainly fuel our evangelism. We need to be able to see the things around us in true perspective. Obviously, if he saw men as trees walking, he couldn't have told a tree from a dog or a man or a cat or anything else. He didn't know. 
He didn't have a clear vision of the things around him. We need to be able to see them in their true perspective, and that will certainly help overcome fear and unbelief. In other words, when you look at yourself this morning, I think you'll see we need to cry to the Christ who gives the second touch. Think of this and follow it through, for it not only deals with people who are afflicted with a species of blindness. Some have been born again, but they're still babes. I've said this a hundred times, and I say it again. A baby is a beautiful creation. And as long as it should be a baby, enjoy its being a baby. The most heartbreaking thing in the world for any parent is to see that child remain a babe when it ought to be growing toward manhood in the physical realm that is a tragedy and yet in the spiritual realm we find our churches populated with babes of great age listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. <laughs> 